Welcome back to the midweek broadcast of the Bible Tract Echoes radio program. I want to thank you so very much for taking of your time to join me right here. I'm coming to you from the studio room at Bible Tracks Incorporated in Bloomington, Illinois. Our ministry has been so proud to sponsor and put on this radio broadcast for the past 60 years years. What a blessing it is to be a part of your life through this medium of radio. And thank you so much for being a part of our ministry by investing your time and your ears in what we're going to talk about. Over the past two days, we've been discussing your impact. Maybe you'd be one that says, you know, I don't really feel like I can make an impact. Can I tell you, friend, you would be staggered you would be floored. You would be flabbergasted if you found out how big, how massive, how powerful of an impact you can make for the cause of Christ. One way that you can do that is by using gospel tracts. Now, I'd like you to find your place in 1 Samuel chapter number 13. I'm going to join you there. We're going to dedicate the majority of our lesson time today to the Bible study in 1 Samuel chapter 13. But for just a moment here, maybe there's a gospel tract that you could use to make an impact in other people's lives. You see, a gospel tract does a great job of talking when we are not able to. What I mean by that is maybe you're in a position with the cashier at Walmart and there's people behind you waiting to check out and you don't have quite the time to be able to launch into a full gospel presentation. Maybe you could leave a gospel track like the one called Transformed. It's the story of a man, a sinner, a wicked man for a time named Don Price. Now, Don Price did a lot of evil in his life. But thankfully, he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and he was, as the title indicates, transformed. I had the chance not long ago, just a few days ago actually, to speak to his daughter. And he, she reminisced and talked about how much of a blessing it is to know that thousands upon thousands of people have been saved singularly as a result of his story told in the pages of this gospel track called Transformed. If your curiosity is piqued, if you'd like to hear about his story, how God took him from being a drunk and a violent man and turned him into a saved man, a sinner saved by grace, one that wanted to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, then you need to get this gospel track called Transformed. You can do that for free right now on our website, BibleTracksInc.com. Org. Now, 1 Samuel chapter number 13, we talked yesterday about this thought. Your impact is not reliant on the previous or the present administration. Now, how did we make that application? We see in 1 Samuel chapter number 13, verses 5 through 13 or 14, that Saul makes a grave error, a massive mistake. He decides to take upon himself some of the responsibilities that only the priest Samuel should have undertaken, Saul decides to make a burnt offering to the Lord. He was not supposed to do that. And Samuel tells him, thou hast done foolishly in verse number 13. And what happens next? Well, we find out in chapter 14 that Jonathan still goes ahead with making a massive impact, a big impact, a powerful impact for the cause of the people of God, for God, in spite of without reliance on the previous or the present administration. Remember that Jonathan is the prince. His father is the king. His father, Saul, made a grave error 
and yet Jonathan did not use that as an excuse. Can I tell you? Can I ask you, I should say, are you allowing other people to be an excuse as to why you can't do things for God? I said this yesterday, and I meant it. I still do. Your impact for God is not reliant on who is sitting in the Oval Office. It's also not reliant on who was sitting in the Oval Office. I don't care, and God doesn't care if they have an R or a D beside their name. We still have a job to do for the cause of Christ. And Jonathan, Saul's son, understood that. We'll talk more about that in just a moment here. Look, if you would, at Psalm 118. I'd like you to see these verses with me. Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9. If you take all the Bible verses in the entirety of God's Word, and you count them all up, and you divide it by two, what I mean is, if you find the very middle verses in the entire Bible, you would come to Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9. Here's what the Bible says. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Verse 9, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. What am I saying? Don't rely on the president administration. I mean that both politically and in every other way you can imagine. Don't rely on them to be the litmus test as to whether you should do something for God. We have an impact to make. Look at verse number 19 of chapter 13 of Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 13, verse 19. Now there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his coulter and his axe and his mattock. Yet they had a file for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goads. So it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan, but with Saul and Jonathan, his son, was there found. Now let's back up for just a moment. Earlier in chapter 13, we find out that the children of Israel, this nation, small nation, is facing off against the combined might of the entirety of the Philistines. Let me rehash for you. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as a sand on the seashore in multitude. There's a lot of people. This is a bad situation. They are badly outnumbered. And worse than all of that, nobody except for Saul and Jonathan had proper tools of war. Saul and Jonathan had a sword and everyone else, because they were, you could call it uh, maybe the first biblical occasion of some sort of weapon control or gun control, the Philistines had reduced them to a completely ineffective fighting force. They had nothing except for implements for the soil or for agriculture or for farming. They had nothing as far as proper tools of war. But can I tell you this? That your impact is not restricted by the power of your army. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, we find all throughout the book of Proverbs how God tells us through the wisdom of his King Solomon that 
it's wise to get a multitude of counselors, that before we make war, we should count the cost. We find all of these occasions about being wise with the resources God has given us. And there is a thick black line often between faith and foolishness. But can I tell you, there does come a time when we need to just rely on the power of God and go to war. I mean, figuratively speaking, we need to make an impact. We need to do things for the cause of Christ without looking at the power of our army. Remember Gideon? He faced off against the heathens, against these haters of the things of God with 300 people. Why? Because God told him to. You know what? There are some things in your life that God wants you to do that you're scared of doing. And if I was in your situation, I would be too. There are things in my life that I'm a little trepidatious about doing, but God has led that way, and I'm so excited to follow the will of God. But at times, yeah, it can be a little bit unsettling as we look at, we add up the money in the account versus the expenditures required, and we say, God, I don't know how we can do this. But thankfully, he always comes through because his impact is not restricted by the power of your army. Look at verse number one of chapter 14. The Bible says, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. Now here's the application point here. We don't know Jonathan's exact age. We know that Saul was not a particularly aged man at this point, and so Jonathan is his son, and so we can presume that Jonathan is a little bit of a younger man. We know that Jonathan was also friends with the future king of Israel, David, who at this time was a young man. But regardless of Jonathan's age, we see for sure that he had a young man with him that bare his armor. And these two men, Jonathan and the young man that bear his armor, his armor bearer, they went and made a massive impact for the cause of Christ because their impact was not restrained by a person's age. Here's what I mean. Not only should your impact not be reliant on a previous or present administration, not only should it not be restricted by the power of your army, but it also should not be restrained by a person's age. And I mean that on both ends of the spectrum. You may be an older, aged saint of God, mature in your years. You've been in church your entire life, and maybe not, but maybe you've recently come to the realization that Christ is your all in all, and you need to accept him as your savior. And maybe, just maybe, you've got your AARP card, and maybe you get the senior citizen's discount at the breakfast place you go to, and maybe, just maybe, you feel like your age, your advanced years, precludes you from making an impact for God. That is not true. You see, just like God used young people like a Gideon or a young person like a Joseph or a young person like a David, just like he used all of those people and he himself, Jesus Christ, was used speaking to the wise men at the temple at the age of 12, just like God can use young people, God can use people like you, even if you count your years and decades. Friend, Do you understand that Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born? Did you know that Noah was 600 years old when the rain finally started falling on that ark he had built? 
friend, it doesn't matter which end of the spectrum you're on or if you're in the middle. If you're going through a midlife crisis, God still wants to use you. Now, we're going to look at verse number two tomorrow. What I'd like you to do is this. Set aside the time for this broadcast, the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast, and pencil it in on your schedule. You're going to want to hear what we talk about tomorrow. We're going to devote a large portion of the time on Thursday and Friday to this question of your impact. I'll remind you again that your impact is only inhibited by your imagination. You are the one. Because God's power is limitless. You are the one that turns the tap on or off. We're going to talk more about that in the coming days. What I'm going to ask you to do is make sure you join us. Don't go anywhere. Make sure you stay tuned in right here on your dial. I greatly appreciate the fact that you'd be with us today. Make sure you visit BibleTracksInc.org and order our gospel tracks. Thanks so much for listening. God bless. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.